0: Coming to you from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, by way of Stone Mountain, Georgia, birthed by the great state of South Carolina, is the Bryant Land Country Podcast. Your place for any and everything in hunting, fishing, sports, and outdoor related, with heavy doses of randomness, guests, and an all-around good time. Here's your host, proud Gamecock, South Carolina forever, AB3,
1: all right, now, thank you all for joining me this week for this week's episode of the Bryant Land Country Podcast. We got a great show this week. My guest is Daryl Moore. Uh, Daryl is a certified duck killer, if you will. This young man's passion is duck hunting. He's a Drake Waterfowl expert, a Mossy Oak brand ambassador uh, just a few of his credentials but the young man is out here making a name for himself and doing it out here on the Arkansas public land which you will hear in our discussion about the challenges of uh, being able to get duck limits on Arkansas public land so we had a good time we had a good conversation had a little bit of technical difficulties Uh, batteries crapped out In the middle of the interview, it's totally on me. I'm usually pretty good about checking these things uh, before we get into the uh, meat and potatoes of our interviews and stuff. But we had a little technical difference difficulty. Of course, that don't stop the uh, don't stop the party. We pick right up. Great conversation. Um, I think you guys will enjoy it. So what we're gonna do now is gonna go ahead and roll sound. I'm gonna hit that record button. You guys go ahead and kick back and listen to my conversation with Daryl Moore on the Bryantland Country Podcast. Bryantland. All right, now I got Daryl Moore here with me on the Bryantland Country Podcast. Man, rolling down the road, coming in from a hard day's work, taking the time to talk to your boy. Man, I appreciate it. What's going on, man?
2: Oh, what you say now, man? Man, I appreciate you having me
1: on here and uh, talking to me, man. Man, I've been checking you out, and you sort of like a, a certified uh, duck killer, if you will. Man, <laughs> you be, you be getting after them ducks and and fish and everything down there in Arkansas. But before we get into that, because I'm gonna we're gonna dive into that, especially with them ducks. You are. From Arkansas, born and raised, or yes,
2: yeah, man, I'm a I'm from Camden, Arkansas, which is uh down south Arkansas. Okay, uh, so that's where I I was born there, grew up there, and then I moved to Conway for college, and then I graduated uh, this past May 3 A.M.S. and now I am in kind of Little Rock, but I still say Camden because I mm-hmm. go back to Camden almost every weekend, so okay. uh, <laughs> might as well say Camden.
1: That's what's up. That's what's up. Congratulations on the on the graduation. Now where where did you say you went to school at? And what did you graduate in?
2: Okay, so I started off, I went to UCA, I got some prereqs done, uh, all that jazz. Central then,
1: University of Central yeah, Arkansas. Yeah, university of Central
2: Arkansas. Yeah. Okay. And so and then once I got done with that, man, I uh got accepted in at UAMS. Uh and so I went there for a couple years and I gra- I just graduated there from in May. Uh, with a Radiologic Imaging Science degree. Uh, So I do MRIs every day.
1: Okay, (laughs) okay, nice. And then UMAS, that's what, Medical University of Arkansas?
2: Yeah, University of Arkansas for Medical Sciences.
1: Okay, okay. So you still kind of Razorback back at heart. Uh, I ain't
2: never been a race back
1: now. <laughs> I ain't gonna lie to you. I'm an LSU Tiger fan, man. Come on now. <laughs> okay, okay. There's
2: nothing wrong I, with that. I love oh. I love my state, but hey, I love my Tigers, man.
1: <laughs> okay, okay. That's fair. I mean, as long as you 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 straight up with it, so you can't fault <laughs> you for that. I can't fault you for that, man. <laughs> so, like I said, you know, I was checking out your profile and stuff, and you. You know, you got a lot of stuff going on, you know, brand ambassador for Mossy Oak, certified um or um Drake waterfowl expert. But who got you into this thing, man? Did you grow up hunting and fishing down there in Arkansas? Or like so, who, who took you out the first time?
2: Man, so we kinda of all started it started. When I was young, man. Uh so my dad, he don't really hunt, he's a golfer. He
1: loves play golf. <laughs> nice. And uh,
2: yeah. You know, I played golf, I played all the sports, but uh my grandpa, my mom's uh really my mom's stepdad, but my grandpa, because both were, her real dad and my step and her stepdad were like, you know, both my grandpa's uh man, he he's a big fisherman hunter and uh he knew it's like it's like one of those things, you know, you just love it. You know, when I was a little kid, he mm-hmm. took me and we went fishing one day down a little bay in Hampton, Arkansas, and man, I caught I caught my first fish and it was like I was just hooked. I mean I was Loving the outdoors, man. We'd go fishing every every Saturday, man. I would sit there. and I would sleep. That's how I was. Uh, I, I was sleeping in his recliner. Uh, <laughs> so to make sure that when he woke up on Saturday morning, he didn't leave me when he went fishing.
1: <laughs> wow. So you saying, so make sure he can't pass by, y'all. Huh? Yeah. Because <laughs>
2: he, he's sitting in his recliner every morning to get ready. So he had to get me up, you right. know. <laughs> in
1: order to sit down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's and funny. so he's.
2: He got me started on the fishing, and, uh, man, I, I love to fish. And then as far as hunting, he bought me my first gun. We went deer hunting. And, okay. man, I, you know, I coon hunt some uh, quite a bit and uh, hog hunt all that with some, some of my buddies. But, man, the duck hunt, which is what, which is probably, like, between duck hunt and uh, catching fish, probably my two favorite things in the whole world. Right. So the duck hunt, two of my buddies, Dawson Lambert and Kyle Jones, man, they asked me and asked me, come on, man, let's go duck hunt. Come on, go duck hunting with us. And I, you know, for years, or not years, but like a year or two, they were asking me, and I was like, man, I'm not going to stay in no cold water early in the morning. I'm just not going to do it. It's like, <laughs> what, what fun is that? I, I'm not going to lie to you. I was I was dead set that that was the stupidest thing in the world.
1: Now, uh, about how old were you when this was going on?
2: I was I was probably about 16.
1: Okay. Uh, so in high and, school.
2: Yeah, high school. And I was like, man, I'm not going to stay in no go cold water. We, was, we would go to practice, you know, whatever. And Kyle right. was like man, let's go. You know, trying to convince me. And finally, one one morning or one evening after we got done, I forgot exactly what we we're doing. I was like, "All right, let's go in the morning. I'll, I'll go." You know. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I met him, and we went to uh, Kyle's Dearly's. I'm <clears throat> like a wood duck hunt, you know. Right. Quick, you know, wood duck hunts only last thirty minutes. <laughs> and so uh, we go in. Get in, I mean, get out. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't prepared. Like I'm cold, man. Like. I was not fair to that this at all. And these, these wood does come in and the, like my heart just started like beating out my chest and they're like coming in and they just come in and in the decoys and they mop up on it. I'm sitting there froze. I couldn't even click my trigger off. <laughs> like I'm like, Oh, what is this?
1: <laughs> you know?
2: And, uh, it was like from then on, it was just like an addiction. Like it was just one of those things. Like I just fell in love immediately. And it's like been since then I've like studied it and not just, I mean, I love it.
1: No, nah, at sixteen, like you say, you going out there, you cold, you freezing. So obviously, you ain't got. Where'd you get your waiters from? Did you even have waiters at?
2: at yeah, at that so age, yeah, <laughs> they let me borrow some waiters, man.
0: <laughs>
2: so they had some waiters for me. I didn't. I had a shotgun. My grandpa, my uh, my popo LaBelle, he yep. gave me a shotgun. He gave me a shotgun. That I used like squirrel hunt stuff with. So it okay. was like an old Remington eleven hundred, shoot two and three quarters. Man, I'm out there with seven shots. They got, like, two shots just knocking
1: these birds down. They just, just bounce off the birds <laughs> when I shoot. I'm like, man, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> nah, nah, for those people for people that's listening, the shot size. Now, when you hunt ducks, most people usually use either twos, fours, and they, and those numbers are, are the sizes for the shot pellets. So if you out there, you talking about, like, a seven, that is a very, very small pellet. So you basically <laughs> – you ain't even peppering them. They're, those are probably like bouncing off of them, depending on how fast they fly. flying. <laughs> yeah, they, them
2: ducks, them dogs just kind of like, "What is that, man? Come on, what you got going?" <laughs>
1: <laughs> that man. is also awesome. so. I, I went the thing you
2: know, sixteen, you ain't got, you ain't got no whole lot of money. You, right, you went to right. They say you got to have a steel shot. I was like, "Oh, these five dollars? This what I'm talking about?"
1: <laughs> right. Right, you're just trying to get in the game. This is the, yeah. this, this is as authentic as it gets. This is before you know all your your great you know insulated waiters and your coats and all this other stuff. You're 16. You out with your buddies. You, y'all just trying to get in the game.
2: Yeah, and uh, man, I. I'm pretty sure if I remember right, the waders was leaking too, the ones that gave me. So I got the, <laughs> of
1: I got course the they shack. was leaking. <laughs> They're not going to give you the good pair of waders. It's like, here, man, throw these on. Let's go. Come yeah. on. <laughs>
2: They'll be all right. I promise,
1: man. <laughs> man, that's what's up. So, okay, so 16, you out hunting, you duck hunting, you're fishing. Let's fast forward a little bit now are you fishing competitively or are you just fishing just strictly for the love or
2: man, it really, it was more like a, like 16 to, you know, really more recently. I just fished out of the love. Man, I would go almost every day. It's like one of those things where like, I get off work, you know, cause I, you know, summer jobs or college class, man, I just go to the water. I can sit out there all day and not, uh, I, I love to brim fish. Yep. and so I I go out there, and, man. I I rim fish. I'd go out there, and I mean I just sit there and wear some fish out, and uh, and now I, I love it. I like the bass fish. I love the bass fish, and uh, so more recently it's become more like it was like man, I love the fish. I'm I, I feel like I'm pretty good at it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so it's like why not try to go professional with it? I love the fish. I love watching the tournaments. You know, right. I'm, I'm a competitive person. I play sports all since I was like I don't know four or five. Okay. And so I'm a, I'm really competitive in general and so it's like it's like man why not go and compete against some of the best you know
1: That's and decent.
2: so uh so it's just kind of lately it's like i've been transitioning i've a few tournaments here and there you know all throughout then it's like you know it's like i've really gotten that that real mode where i've really like sat down and focused a lot of my time and energy and just getting my skills get my skills right because you know Nobody wants to go out there and just get whooped. You know what I'm saying? Right, <laughs> right, it's, right,
1: right, It's part of
2: the game is going to happen. But it's like
1: <laughs> this past year I've
2: really been focusing on, all right, let me let me see what I'm weak at. And uh, like, I got videos on my social media where, like, man, I sit in the house now and I just grab a rod. And I was, I love to flip. I like to fish shallow, but I've never mm. been, like, an accurate uh, flipper. I can put it over there, but I couldn't get it on spots. And, man, I no. got videos on my social media where I get, I get like, coffee cups. And I'll just sit in my living room, watch the TV, and sit there and flip. I flip in a cup, a hundred times. <laughs> now, just when trying you, to make sure I'm getting accurate.
1: What are you saying, flipper? What, what what what's that? Explain to the folks what you what you talking about when you doing so, that.
2: So, so like flipping, basically, what you're doing is like it's like a real precise cast. So, what you're doing is you're like taking your bait and you grabbing your hand. It's almost like you're just like underhand tossing it, but it's mm-hmm. it's it's but you're trying to put it right in a spot like a soft fall. So, let's say uh, a fish is on a bed, right? A yep. bass on bed. You don't want to throw out there overhand or sidearm and splash real hard on that on that fish. You want to pitch, you know. You want to pitch or flip right there on that fish, real soft, so let that, that bait kind of hit the water, kind of soft and flutter down on it. You don't want to spook her. You know what I'm
1: saying? Right. And so, right.
2: So, a lot of people are thinking, man, that's that's easy. I can go out there and flip, but it's not like flipping with accuracy is a lot harder than what most people uh, generally think about. You know what I'm saying?
1: It's almost like skipping rocks. Like you you yeah. people go out there and you try to like skip rocks on the water. I know I can never do it. Like I throw a rock and it, it'll sink to the bottom. Like I could yeah. never, no matter what size or whatever, but it's just like anything you, especially if you're talking about doing it competitively, you know, you got to work on your skills. You got to practice. You got to get better before you can go out there.
2: Correct. And you know, that's one of the things, you know, so like I say this year with my fishing, learned a lot uh i actually i fished the co langer a lot this year and you know because the co is a good start because you're, you're getting that hole that full guys that are serious about the tournaments you know mm-hmm. but you're in the back of the boat so you can learn you can kind of see what it's like and be like oh okay you know and you kind of you see how good different guys are and kind of judge where you're at to see if you need to go boater you know what i'm saying
1: no because is when that... you go boater, is, is that like an apprentice kind of thing where you like on the boat with somebody that's competitively fishing and you just kind of like watching them and like being an apprentice?
2: So basically how the co-anglers work, you're fishing the tournament, but you're only fishing against the guys in the back of all the other boats. Okay. So the guys in the front of boats are technically the pros and okay. the guys in the back of the boats are the co-anglers. So you're only fishing against the other co-anglers, but the pros have all the control. The pros pick your spots and right. all that, and you're just kind of in the back of the boat just fishing behind them or, you know, whatever.
1: Gotcha. Kind uh, of so like it's kinda, tag it's along. a tag
2: alone. Yeah, you're like a tag along. It's kind of like, like an under system they do to make sure that the pro not cheating and you get an opportunity to fish and, you know, and get your name out there and get your tournament experience too. Gotcha. You know what I'm saying?
1: Okay. okay.
2: So it, it's really cool. It's, 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 a, it's an experience, you know, that if you're going competitively fish, I think everybody should do is fish the co-angler.
1: Now, how it's, did it's you – how did you get hooked up with that? Like, when you go to the tournament and sign up, do they, like, assign you with someone, or do you yeah, already so, go? Or?
2: So you pay your membership, and then from there, you pay your membership up front, just, like, mm-hmm. like, 75 bucks. And then you sign up for the tournament. You have to sign up for, like, you know, uh, like a couple weeks in advance. And then once you get to the tournament, you know, you're a co-angler. Uh, you can link, which gives you a guaranteed spot with a pro. Like, you just put on Facebook, hey, I need a link on the group, and they'll – Somebody be like, hey man, let's link, it. and yeah, that gives you a guaranteed spot. And so the day before the tournament, they'll have every have a pre meeting, and what they do is they'll send out a text, and it's randomly drawn, and they'll tell you who your boater is. And then from there, your boater will call you, but like, hey man, we're fishing together, meet me at the ramp at this time. And then your boater will tell you, hey man, I'm on some fish, or this is what I found is working, and so this is what we're probably gonna do all day. And then you get your tackle ready. The next morning, you meet up with your your boater. Y'all talk, you put your poles and whatever you got to bring in there, and then y'all just go fish for the day.
1: Okay, okay. Now, yeah. when you fish in the tournaments like that, you know, you were talking about golf, and I know the little bit that I I know about golf because I'm not a big golfer at, at all, but I, the little bit that I know, I know everybody has different tee times when they're when they, especially in a tournament. So, you know, your tee time, one guy's tee time may be this, another guy's tee time is that. When you are fishing those tournaments, do they launch at different times, or everybody just kind of goes and then returns at the same time? Mm-hmm. Like, how does so, how does that work? So
2: it's it's kind of like golf. You have flights, and so basically everybody everybody has to be there at, at the start of the tournament. So most time the takeoff, you know, somewhere between six thirty seven o'clock. That's a a good rough estimate of what time you're going to take off usually,
0: right? Uh, and, depending yep. on
2: time of year. So everybody has to be there by then, you know. And you launch your boats and then they'll be like, first flight's gonna be boats one through forty-five. And they'll call out boat number one, boat number two, you know, so and so on. And they yep. see you out. So flight number one might have to be back at three o'clock, right? Mm-hmm,
0: and so then as mm-hmm. soon as
2: flight number one takes off, they go ahead and they roll into flight number two. You know, it takes about fifteen minutes for the first flights to get out and go.
1: Right. And
2: so then they roll to flight two they'll be like, well, flight two, y'all got to be back at 315. They'll let all flight two go. And then it goes, flight three, same thing, y'all be back at 330. So it's like, everybody has flights, you know. So you take off all at once, but it's kind of all different times that make sense.
1: Gotcha. Gotcha. Now, in in those tournaments, two things. First of all, what would you say the number one thing that you would have to have in order to be successful to fish competitively like what's the what's the one thing that, that you feel like you know you I got to work on this and then I can you know that'll pretty much put me where I need to be or is it more than just one thing
2: man honestly it's more than one thing I think I think there's there's a couple really key things to it one to me for me personally I think the number one thing is probably I think I'll say two things number one is confidence and patience because you you get thrown off, you hear people before the tournaments talking about, man, they're biting on this, man. You gotta you gotta be throwing this. You gotta be fishing deep to get, win, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And you know that if you if you went out there and you pre and you know what you have done to catch them, and you know what you got a pattern figured out, you know that'll that'll start bugging your head. like when you first get there, the first 15 minutes if nothing's working, you're like, man, they they were talking about fishing deep and they're catching them deep, and I'm up here flipping up shallow. Right. And so it's it's one of those things that you gotta be prepared to like. I gotta, you gotta go in there like I'm gonna do what I know I've been catching men in practice. Like this is, this is what's working. This is what I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm to stick to my guns. But at the same time, you gotta be, at the same time, you gotta be level headed enough to know that after a couple of hours, if what you're doing is not working, to be open to try. Because you know, fishing, fishing, it changes. I mean, throughout the day, <laughs> it changes. It yes. changes in a heartbeat.
1: Yes, yes. So you
2: gotta be, you gotta, be, you got also gotta be patient enough to know that when it's not working out, that the fish can turn on at any time. You might have to change up the way you approach the game. You know what I'm saying? You right. might be watching a guy fishing 40 yards from you, sitting there wearing him out, and you ain't caught a fish. You know, and that that kind of gets to you. Like bela says, adversity is dope. So you got to be able to, you got to go with it. You got to be able to roll with the flow and just <laughs> stay calm. You know what I'm yeah. saying?
1: Right. Because right. I
2: mean, you're not you're not gonna win every tournament. You're not gonna catch every fish in the world, but you gotta be consistent. So consistency is the next thing that's really important with fishing. You know
1: you got to be consistent yeah and that but the patience patience and consistency actually it transfers into so many different areas of hunting like whatever you whatever you hunting is that patience whatever i mean whether it's turkey hunting whether it's like ducks or especially deer i mean that that patience aspect it just carries from from one you know, type of hunt to another. And if you can, can get patience down. Cause I know for me, that was the hardest thing. Like when I started hunting, I I started hunting late in life and Mm -hmm. being, you know, on the go and all that stuff. Like patience is probably like one of my biggest, like attributes that I don't really have that I'm always working on. But I tell you hunting, especially deer hunting. I mean, it, it, it will humble you. And if you <laughs> yeah. don't learn patience, then you ain't going to be too long for it. You know,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> so, the, the the patience thing, man, I, I can relate to that. Yeah. So. And I, and like I
2: said, I feel like that's, that's across the board. It's kind of whatever you do. I mean, if it's fishing, if it's hunting, if it's work, if it's, you know, anything, family, everything is consistency and patience. <laughs> I mean, it's just, and I feel like for me personally, I'm a person, like I'm a, I look at, when I go, when I do something, I always like, man, I'm always like, I rush. I'm like, I got to figure this out, you know? And right. so for me, fishing and hunting always makes me slow down and like respect that, you know, like I can't, I don't have any control of this. Like, I just got to sit back and let the game play out and just go with the flow. You know what I'm saying? Right. And Exactly. So exactly. I feel like that's like, it's a lot of life lessons. Like, like when I was in college, it's always like, man, I want to be able to do this. I want, like when I was in college, I always wanted to fish tournaments, but focusing on college, I couldn't afford to fish tournaments. I mean, it's just to be able to, I mean, I worked through college to, you know, help pay for stuff I do like gas, et cetera, but I couldn't go fork out $200 on a weekend to fish tournament. And right. that's kind of frustrating for me because, you know, I mean, that's what I wanted to do, but I, I can't afford it. You know what I mean? Right. And so it kind of, you know, that kind of, it kind of teaches you, you know, like just take your time because you can't control the tournaments. You can't control life. Just get your books done. And once you get your books done, you can do whatever you want. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, and, would you say like your ultimate goal would be to to fish professionally, like full time, like or, or do you still want to pursue like a a career in your field?
2: Honestly, my my end goal would be to be able to fish like full time professionally. Okay. To do that and to be able to have the winters off and just hunt, you know what I mean? Yep.
1: Whether it be maybe like <laughs> guiding, guiding. Yep
2: guiding or whatever but if if one worked out where I was like doing professional fishing then I get the hunt all winter you know and I could guide for duck hunting or what night right everything's making money which obviously I do I love my job but if I could quit it tomorrow to go fish professionally I would do it in a heartbeat there's no question about that
1: <laughs> right no I, I hear you Shoot. It, it, I mean that, that is uh, the ultimate goal like is to be able especially if you love it you know, to be able to do it professionally and get paid. And then, like you say, you could have the winners off to, to duck hunt and just, you know, enjoy it and be, and be making a living, you know, in the outdoors. I think for a lot of people, that's ultimately, you know, what they want to do. So it sounds like, yeah. you know, you're on, on the right track. Now, let me ask you this before we okay. switch over. I saw a couple of pictures where you was working with a bow. And you were shooting the bow and whatnot. Uh-huh. What what happened with the bow hunt? Do you bow hunt still, or are you kind of like did you did you kind of fall back on it, or what, what? Well,
2: I realized when I I was gonna start doing the bow hunt, you know, I was gonna start doing. I was like, man, I'm gonna do it because I'm a I'm one of those outdoors. I want to do some of everything. I love every part of the outdoors. Sure. And I got I got to where it was like okay, if I'm going to be, to me, I want to be, if I do something, I want to be excellent. I want to be good. I want to be able to put my time in it. You know what I'm saying? And so when I got in, when I started looking at the bow hunt, I had to kind of, at the point in my life, I wasn't always graduating college yet. So I still hadn't had, I didn't have very much money at the time. And so it was like, I got, I got, I got too many hobbies. Like
0: you want to (laughs) be really good.
2: You want to be really good at what you got, or you want to be mediocre and have everything, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) And so it was like, it was like, I deer hunt nail with a rifle and I only go, I only go like three or four times a year and I go shoot the first thing that walks out. I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and so, yeah. And so it's kind of was like, man, I don't, there's no, there's, there wouldn't, there's nothing to make me want to go out there and sit for 30 or 40 days when I can be fishing those 30 or 40 days, get some fall fishing in. And you know, in Arkansas, duck season usually starts the Saturday after opening day of gun season or two weeks. And you know, up to then i'm not really gonna hunt so it was like man you just kind of choose like i don't have the time or the money really to sit there and to get really good at bow
1: hunting gotcha gotcha no so. that's that's totally fair because it's funny like this year you know i'm kind of having a come to jesus moment with myself it's like okay i really enjoy bow hunting and you know my first couple of years i got lucky it's like okay you kill a nice deer or kill, you know, like a nice doe or whatever and it's like all right, I'm good. I kind of got it out of my system and then I can go goose hunt and duck hunt like cuz you know like we were talking last night, the goose season starts like in October. So it's like I got my deer down in mid to late September in the early season. It's like, "Oh, I can go goose hunt, duck hunt, you know, in October up uh up in Illinois and then come back for the rut or whatever in november but last couple of years it's taking some time to get that deer down and i'm like well shoot this is cutting into my duck hunting time and so you kind of gotta it's like you said it's like okay do you really want to be a really really good bow hunter which is i which is what i love like i love bow hunting duck hunting. and it that's a lot of it from my standpoint, I think it takes a lot more to be a really good duck hunter than it does a really good deer bow hunter. From the standpoint of you don't need as much equipment. I mean, of course, you got to work on like your shooting and stuff, but it's also a lot easier to shoot a bow and get good at it than shooting clays and shooting targets to make to hone your shooting skills unless you just have like a bunch of property or you out like in the country somewhere. But yeah, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I could be wrong, but that's kind of where I'm at with it. So that, that I totally feel you when you say, you know, it's like, "All right, which one do I want to be really good or do I want to be like kind of half and half at everything?" But I'm like you. I enjoy it all. I enjoy deer hunting, I enjoy turkey hunting, enjoy fishing, Enjoy, you know, getting at the ducks and geese and stuff. So, it any day outdoors is a good day. It beats, you know, being in an office or being, you know, working or anything like that. So, for sure. And, and, and I agree with
2: you. Like, I, I have respect for people bow hunting because I'm that it is hard. I'm, I've seen my buddies, they'll go out there for two, three weeks straight. And, you know, and I know how hard bow hunting is. Right. And, you know, bow hunting or turkey hunting, I got. I got a cousin that I mean he absolutely loves turkey hunting. And I don't think he killed a turkey, but he went like probably ten, twelve times and didn't <laughs> kill a turkey. But he loves it. I mean, I know it's it, it's a it's hard. It's a hard game. I mean, it's just it's. I mean, all of them are hard games, but you know what I mean.
1: But yeah, it, so. the the turkey hunting is a little bit more. In, I think that's what draws a lot of people to turkey hunting. It's a little more interactive. I was funny because I was talking to a guy that I used to go goose hunting with. And he's like you. Like he's all about geese and ducks. He'll go to Arkansas, he'll go to South Dakota or uh, North Dakota, he'll go to Kansas. Like he kinda maps out his entire year and then he runs a fishing charter during the summer and then once his fishing charter's done, then he guides, you know, geese and duck hunts um all yeah. over. And I was talking to him one time and then I was like, I said, Brian, why? I said, Do you deer hunt? He was like, No, he was like I don't have the patience for it. He was like, you know, we can sit here in the blind, we can talk, we can have a good time. It's like, you know, you get some geese coming in, you know, and then you go to work or whatever, but he was like, deer hunt, you got to be real quiet, you got to be real still. He was like, that's not my cup of tea. And if he, yeah. he's one of those guys, like he's not a chatterbox, but he's one of those guys that if you get in a good, engaging conversation, you know, it's like you're having a good time in the pit until, you know, it, until some action comes. So I totally yeah. get it. I, yeah. I, I totally he, I totally get it. So, so let's talk about these ducks. You oh, you
2: s- talking about my love?
1: Sixteen <laughs> leaky waiters, seven shot two and three quarter shells to Drake Waterfowl expert, Marcioke ambassador. Ambassador, God, I can't even talk about. You know what an ambassador is? So now. And then when I talked to you, you were just coming back from Oklahoma. So how do you do your duck season? Like, do you have it mapped out or you just kind of, like, go with the flow? Like, how, how does your duck season start?
2: I'm going to tell you what I tell everybody when they ask me. Like, how do, how do I get ready for duck season? It's one of those – duck hunting is one of those things you literally got to go with the flow. You can't, you can't map them out. <laughs> it changes <laughs> It changes every single day. Every single year, nothing is ever the same when it comes to duck hunting. I kid you not. That's the, that's, that's what I love about it, duck hunting. Mm-hmm. Because it's like you can go. And we kind of talked about it last night when I was telling you kind of how my duck season goes. We can You can go duck hunting, and we can get a group of guys, and we can go out there, and we can kill nine limits on public land. Yep. One day we, might, we shoot nine limits. We can come back. Everything be the exact same. And the wind may have shifted one mile an hour from north to to south. And we can be in that same hole and not shoot a single bird. And it's just it's it's just it's <laughs> right. crazy. That's and that's what drives you so crazy is trying to figure out where you gotta be to kill birds every single time you go. You know what I mean? Right. And for me to be a successful duck hunter, you literally gotta be able to go on the flow. <laughs> for public land at least, you know what I mean?
1: Exactly. And see, that, that was what I was going to get into, because you, public land, and for people that don't know, to do anything on public land is a chore, because <laughs> you don't have, again, you don't have any control. I think that's kind of why I haven't really fooled with it too much, because a lot of things that you could control on private land is out of your control you know when you duck hunting you can get to a spot you can go all summer or go you know in the fall scout before duck season scout it out scout it out oh man i got this whole show up at four or at three and somebody else is already sleeping their boat that's been there overnight that came in and took that spot. And there's nothing you can really do about it because it's public land. It's everybody's. Yeah. So what? how have you managed to be so successful on public land?
2: A lot of sleeping in the truck (laughs) and sleeping at ramps. (laughs) And honestly, having – Having some good friends.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So Uh, you you're the guy that sleep (laughs) in his boat in the duck hole overnight.
2: (laughs) Well, you know, in Arkansas, you know, we got the four a.m. rule. Okay. And so, so I'll explain that real quick for people who don't know. In Arkansas, at you know, on public land, most of the WMAs and a lot of the refuges, you can't leave. You like, let's say we're at, for instance, one of the most popular places. Everybody knows Bayou Mita. You can't. You can have your boat in the water up to the gates they got gates in now but you can't go through that gate until 4 a.m or you get a ticket
0: <laughs> A mm. ticket you
2: ain't trying to pay
0: mm. and
1: so okay
2: but you can't launch your boat till two o'clock so you can't get in line till two but you can't go to the gate through four till four o'clock we've gotten there i've gotten there before At i rolled up there at 11 o'clock one day just because we wanted to be the first ones in line you know 11 what i mean o'clock at night 11 p.m. and we can't take off to 4 a.m. We can't launch to two. Wow. We're sitting there at 11. Back, I'm talking back down the ramp, just waiting to put the boat in the water. And you know, 2 a.m. comes, you launch your boat, throw the dog, throw your stuff in there, and then we go down there and we sit on the bank next to the gate. <laughs> <laughs> and you wait, you wait till like 3:57. About 3:57, you know now. There's a bunch of people there there's probably there ain't no telling all of them on a Saturday you, it's gonna be a bunch of boats you might right. it might be 40 50 boats <laughs> and so you know three fifty seven. everybody's pushing their boat off and uh waiting at the gate and when I when I say turn 4 a.m it's, it's roll time is at four o'clock it's go time <laughs> like <laughs> light bars on motors two strokes just rolling everybody heading out you know what I mean you get out there at four fifteen and now you got a two hour wait till daytime so you can shoot. Right.
1: Yep. <laughs>
2: and the thing about the thing about the Arkansas Public Land is you can get there at four, you can get there at ten o'clock at night. You can sit there, you can be in line anywhere. Let's say you're at any refuge. And at four o'clock, I mean, if your stuff ain't right, you might not get your hole. <laughs> that's just that's just the facts of Arkansas Public Land. <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> You you better you better be rolling when it's time to go. Right. Because ain't nobody gonna wait up on you. Ain't nobody don't, they don't care if you've been there since seven o'clock the night before, five o'clock the night before at four a.m. You ain't got friends no more except who hunting with you.
1: <laughs> so you ain't got <laughs> you want me to be, friends be brutally no honest. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: mean, if you want to be honest with
1: you, right. when it turns
2: four o'clock, you ain't got no friends no more. I promise you. <laughs> that is hilarious. If your motor, if your motor stopped down there in the middle of the the canal, you better get to the side because ain't nobody finna just stop and see what's wrong.
1: (laughs) Man, so all right, so you get in and then you get to the hole that's on public land in Arkansas. Where else are you going? Like, are you traveling and you hit Louisiana? Do you hit Texas, Oklahoma? Like, what? What? I know you gotta, like you say, you gotta be kind of flexible. So, what are you hitting other states as well, or are you just concentrating on Arkansas?
2: Man, for me, for me, I really, I because I mean, Arkansas is the duck capital of the world. For people that don't know, it's, right we have, you know, it is the it's the place. It's this where everybody comes to. But like I said, this past weekend we went to Oklahoma. I got invited up there with a buddy, mm-hmm. uh, Caleb, and uh, it was my first time in Oklahoma, honestly. And it was it was such a shock because you know, like I said, Arkansas, it's public land is like everybody loves it you know oklahoma there was like three boats there i'm like what is this you know
1: what i mean <laughs> <laughs> Where,
2: where's somebody at where's where's my lining up it's time to go at four you know And it's like nobody's there you know and um it was so different it was like just a whole another atmosphere it was like chill i mean we're going i'm just you know they're not no big hurry. we just easing out across there you know what i'm saying and i'm like man this is so different it's so relaxing kind of you know right <laughs> And so, you know, we went to Oklahoma this past weekend, and we killed them. I mean, we shot our limits both days. And then this weekend, we're rolling out Friday. Uh, my buddy Renard from Georgia, 24-7 hunts. We're meeting in Texas and uh, with our buddy Zane, and we're going to be hunting in Texas this weekend. Okay. And we're kind of – we're kind of, so we're kind of stretching our horizon. We're meeting people. We're traveling more. Uh, next year, we're going to Canada. We're going to go Canada, South Dakota, Missouri, Oklahoma, Texas. We're all of them next year. Nice. Nice. And – but – we mostly focus on Arkansas. When it gets to like that third week in November, unless it's just terrible, then we'll move. But mostly, we focus on the Arkansas timber because I mean, there's nowhere in the world where you can go and sit down in timber and get ducks just in your face. Right. I mean, that's it's just nowhere else. And there's nothing else that compares to it. That in my opinion,
1: that's the experience that I'm looking for. I haven't quite had yet because the last last time last year I went to Arkansas, it was basically flooded rice fields. First time I went, we were in layout blinds, and um, it was basically like a flooded rice field or a flooded um, grain field or whatever, and it was great. It was amazing. The, the yeah. last two times, I had, like I said, those were the, my first two times going. I've never been, and I kind of try to make it a point to finish up my you know waterfowl hunting in Arkansas. Unfortunately, when I went, it was usually during it was the week. The, basically, it was the last week because it closed on the on that weekend, like that Saturday. So, it was the last week. Yeah. Just, you know, for whatever reason, I couldn't get down there like in November or December or whatever. I'm going to try, see how my schedule shakes out. I'm going to try to go because I've gotten an invitation uh, to come down there like early. And I got an invitation to come down there in January um, as well like I normally do. So... I want to do the flooded timber because I've heard so much about it. What I know from my experience, like I said, doing layout blinds, being in the flooded field, to me, that was awesome. The flooded timber, just kind of explain what that is and what what all goes into that.
2: So flooded timber, for people that don't know, that are listening, is basically you got your oaks you know your oak trees and they're flooded they're the good hardwood bottoms of Arkansas. and i mean the, the hunting in the woods is like i don't know how to explain how what what it does but you know in a field you see ducks coming in the field you're like okay they can land out here in the opening right but the the, the thing about when you get in the woods and the timber you get these holes and what everybody loves is you'll get a group of Let's say fifty to hundred miles working, right? You are calling at them, you working them, and they circling,
1: yep. you know.
2: And you're looking, you're looking, and all these branches are hanging over this hole. There might be like a, just a little bitty gap. And next thing you know, you hear these wings just start flopping. They lock up and they put those, they put the orange feet down, and <laughs> put you, down you the hear,
1: landing gear. <laughs> hear, they
2: put the, they put the landing gear on, and you're looking you're like there ain't no way. And next thing you know, you just see the wings. I mean, they're just dipping and dodging. You're hearing branches cracking and everything, and all of a sudden. You got fifty or hundred miles, just breaking through the trees, just landing five, 10 yards from me, and you're just sitting there and like, oh, like how they just do that, right? And they get there between the trees. When they get between those trees, and they get below those trees, it's over with. Like, and I mean,
1: I was about to say because it's, a, it's not it's like a, in, <laughs> it's not like in the open field where like if Maybe you flinch <laughs> or if you can like if you do something wrong and they flare, it's like they can kind of like pull up and then they got an unobstructive escape. Once yeah. you get into the timber, like just going off of what you said, like you said, with the branches and everything, it's kind of hard to just pull up and then shoot out because you got all – it's almost like they trapped.
2: Yeah. Once they once they break the trees, it's game time. Once <laughs> once they break the trees, it's, it's, it's player mode. Then it's like everybody, you know, your heart beating out your chest. It's like, oh, my God, let's get it. Somebody gonna call the shot. They're gonna say, kill them. You know, we're gonna right, get right. them low as we can. Because they, I mean, they will. Sometimes they'll get down there, they'll break the trees. When they break the trees, they'll pick up. Once they break the trees, they start picking up. You gotta cut them. But most of the time, once they, once they break the trees, you're you know you're gonna count that money. they coming all the way down. And, uh and I mean, that's what it is. I mean, that's just, it's just like, because when you're in the timber, you know, you ain't gonna get, there's not no 50, 60, 70, 80 yard shots, you know? Right. When they get below that treetop, you're looking at like a 25 yard shot. Those ducks are in your face and it's just watching interacting with them and getting them to come in there like holes. It. Like it might not even be a gap and all of a sudden they just in there.
1: And no. uh, it's just with them with them that close, two things. With them um, that close, you first of all are you using mostly like a modified choke, like a little bit of uh open choke, or are you going with a straight like full and just just, just picking them off?
2: Man, for me, I, I like a full choke. I don't like cripples. <laughs> Fair so, enough. Fair I, enough. I use I use a full choke. There's guys that use modified because I mean you, you got you're not you're not taking long. If you're hunting the timber and you're doing it right, right, like you like you know like you're supposed to like you want to do, you are you're shooting a modified choke. I mean that's what you're shooting. Are uh, a right, full choke because the dots are in your face. You don't need a you don't need an extra full. You don't need BB shot. You know what I mean. You just right. need to do some number twos, number threes. You know that larger shot size and a and a modified full choke and a lot of guys 20 gauge I mean that's 12 gauge you know I love my 12 gauge but a 20 gauge
1: is is plenty you know what I mean right and that's just the count cal- that when you're talking about the gauge of 12 and 20 obviously that's the caliber but for yeah. like the chokes and stuff that's basically the constriction so if you got a full yeah. choke the the shot is going to come out, and it's basically going to be constricted. It's almost to the point where it's shooting like a slug, depending on how close you are. When you say modified, it opens it up, so you get more of those pellets on the target. So it gives you a little bit, almost like in bow hunting, when you talk about forgiveness, if you shoot like a modified choke, it gives you almost like a little bit of forgiveness because that that, that pattern is a little bit wider so you'll – more likely to get, you know, more. You have a wider range to put the pellets on the bird. You don't have to be as precise per, to, per yeah. se. So, but no, i I know for geese, I've always been a full choke guy just because those birds are so freaking hefty. And you yeah, need, you know, you need to knock down power, but that, that's amazing. Now, what is, what's in those flooded tip like you said oaks and stuff so what are they coming down for like acorns and stuff like acorns that
2: Acorns or yeah acorns or i mean it's just all different stuff like those ducks they'll come in there to rest they'll come in there to feed mm-hmm. i mean they're they're that timber especially because all right so for people that don't know ducks start in the prime duck hunt starts in canada right. and as it gets colder towards the winter they migrate down and, and we're, in right, we're in the flyway. Right. And so they come down to Arkansas. And by the time they get to Arkansas, they seeing everybody, grandma, grandpa, uncle, and granny,
1: <laughs> call at them, shoot at them. All they kind see of it spread. All. That, yeah. it, it's so funny. I forgot about that part because that was the thing that cracked me up. But when you think about it, you're right. Like, okay, so you start all the way in Canada. You come down <laughs> the flyway. Like you say, you they've heard every call. They've seen every decoy. They've seen every spread, every way that you've set spreads and stuff. So by the time they get here, like you said, they've seen it all, heard it all. It's like either we're going to go here and feed or we're going to go here. This is where we're going to go. What you're doing might have some effect, but for the most part, they're going to go where they want to go regardless. Yeah. 'Cause by by like
2: I said, by the time they get to us, they, they've been they've been exposed like you. And so that to me, <laughs> when you when you say you're a successful Arkansas public land hunter, right, you say you saying that man, you can call, you know your stuff, you yep. know where ducks are, and you if you can do it consistently, you know what I mean?
1: Right. Right.
2: And so so, you know, that's what that's what you're that's what you're doing when you get here, when they get to Arkansas. I mean, those ducks are they're not dumb when they get to us by no means. <laughs> you know, you go north. You get up there towards, like, Canada, you know, them ducks are a little dumb up there. They ain't, you know, they've been chilling. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> so. Uh, the the public, the public land, especially in the timber and stuff, is it just naturally flooded? Are they controlling it like they do with, like, a lot of the fields? Because I know a lot of the fields are, like, some of it is natural and then a lot of it is, like, based on irrigation and stuff like that. How is it in the timber?
2: So, there's a couple different things. Okay. And that's, that's one of those, key, there's like, there's about three key things that play effect in, in duck hunting, right? It's going to be your weather, your water and your food source. Okay. That's right. just like deer hunting or turkey hunt or whatever, you know, water, water, food and weather. So for ducks, when you go talking about timber hunting, one of the number one things is going to be water levels. Okay. Because in our soul, we like to hunt knee deep to ankle deep water, you know, mm-hmm. Eat to, in our in, the way we hunt, Anything over knee-deep is too deep for timber, honestly. Okay. And so when you look at the water levels, you know, the first of the year, most of the time our timber's not flooding because they try to let it naturally flood, and they got on a kick now where they're saying that, but then they were, like, artificially flooding it a lot, that it was killing the trees and all this junk. And so they don't, they're not putting the boards in the late now. So a lot, we're relying on the weather to get enough rain to flood the woods, to get the river levels up to dump water into the woods to actually flood it okay 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 and so once the woods get flooded you know that makes those acorns the acorns start floating and that's what gets those ducks in the woods because they're like there's fresh food it's not the corn it's not the rice right. so now they can be hidden in the woods and get to eat you know what i'm saying so because they feel protected when they're in those woods gotcha. As opposed to in that field they're kind of in the wide open
1: gotcha now
2: because like i said they've seen it all when they come from up north they've been shot at so that feels protected
1: And obviously, I know you said it's weather based, but if it's right, is it more so better early season for flooded timber than say like later on, or is it just? I mean, it's it's completely like hit or miss. Like just depends on whatever the weather. It's
2: like it's hit or miss. Whether it's weather has a lot to do with it, but. For me, when ducks first get here, they don't immediately like, they don't just like jump in the woods. Like when they get here, they're not like, oh, straight to the woods. What they do is when they get here most of the time. And like if you come down in Arkansas season, you ride public land, you ride in like the Cache, the White River, and stuff. You can always tell when new ducks have just gotten here, okay? Mm-hmm. Because when you ride in the river, they'll they'll be sitting in the river channel, the main channel. Okay. And you know that's not that's not what they do when they first. You know when the ducks first get here, if you're not hunting. You ride the river channel. If you see ducks just sitting in the river, like a bunch of ducks sitting in the river, that's how you know you got a new push of birds because they haven't found the woods or where they want to be at yet. Gotcha. They just stopped. They came in they just stopped. And so they're sitting there in the river, you know, chilling because, I mean, they're tired. They flew in thousands of miles probably. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. And so they sit in the woods. And so that's a good sign. If you see a bunch of birds sitting in the river, you're like, well, I need to be in this area because these birds just got here. So they're going to be a little dumber than the ones that are sitting here been here for a week now you know what i mean
1: (laughs) right right right
2: and so uh so that's that's a that's a big determinant another way for people that don't know when you kill a duck in the woods or in anywhere if that duck has really really bright orange feet that means a new duck that means he just migrated in to his area huh okay Uh, so if if you kill a duck with dark feet real dark orange feet that's a stale duck that means he's been he's been there for a while
1: huh okay
2: and so that's 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 another way we tell. So if we shoot, if we get a group of ducks and they do it right, and you I mean they just circle one time, and they fall in the hole and you shoot them, you got bright orange feet. You're like, yeah, that's a new duck. That's why he did that. Because gotcha. a still ducks, a still duck is gonna sit up there, and you might call at him for 10 15 minutes. He's gonna be up there just circling because he doesn't see it. You know what I mean? Right. He wants to get in there, but he gonna sit there and check it out. And like, I don't know about that down there.
1: Right. You know what I mean? Right. And you basically, so when you're in that water, what are you using, or in that timber rather, what are you using for the cover? You just basically hugged up against a tree
0: and yeah, trying man, to you're, blend you're, in? Yeah,
2: you're hugging, you're hugging that tree. You, you're looking down, you know, you're kicking a little water. You got your jerk rig running. So if people don't know what jerk rig is, you got your decoys out. You tie a string on about three or four decoys with a weight on the end. And you got one person sitting there, they pulling it, you know, getting that water rippled. Make it look like those, giving those decoys a realistic effect, you know, cause mm-hmm. you don't want the water sitting dead still and decoys just sitting there. Cause ducks are smart. Right. They just see dead water. They're like, well, that's not real. So you're pulling that jerk rig to put off waves to make it look like those ducks are moving around and having a little action.
1: Gotcha.
2: And you're kicking the water. When you kick the water, it sounds like ducks are landing or they're feeding. Cause mm-hmm. the duck feeding, he's sitting on water. He'll get up, he'll like flap his wings and he'll make the water shake. And he'll be bobbing up and down, like going down there, grabbing stuff and eating. And so, you know, that's what you're doing you're hugging that tree because I mean ducks like I said they pick out stuff and uh and so like a lot of guys they'll put a little face paint on if they're like trying to their face is real bright because I mean those ducks they see anything particular mm-hmm. they're like a turkey they they're not coming in if they see something they don't like right and you can tell because that ducks will be coming down and they'll flare real quick You know, like
1: right. like that yep. you like
2: you know when yep. you hear that you know it's over with yep. you know they
1: flare now, I've so seen, that's I, one of your determinants. Unfortunately, I've I've seen that because I've flared my, my <laughs> share of ducks in, in my time. So <laughs> And
2: I think and I feel like a lot of people when they first go duck hunting and like you you like tell them like, man, you gotta look down, you can't move, you can't move, they're right on top of you. And then they see you moving, they're like, Why well, are you moving? It's like, well, you know, I I know when I can move. I can look at the duck and be like, all right, I I'm good now. You know what I'm saying? Right. And you know, that's one of those factors. I mean, there's so much that, that people don't realize that goes in a duck hunt. It's not just show up. And let's kill a duck. I mean, there's there's a hundred things that go into making you be successful on that hunt. Now, and you can talk about it. There's so many. Like, you can talk on for hours to explain it. You know what I mean?
1: Right. No, it it is. Because I, when I got into it, you know, obviously in the YouTube age that we live in, you know, I started looking at a lot of YouTube videos and just kind of, you know, looking at the different calls and then just the different, you know, thought process. And then when I go, you know, I'm always picking the guy's uh brain and just trying to figure out it's like okay though so why did you set it up this way why did you set it up you know just trying to you know trying to be a yeah. sponge trying to soak up yeah everything and for you for somebody that's done it you know for so long and do it you know so often like with your calling and stuff are you still at a point where you practicing calls like in the off season or you do <laughs> the first time you pick up your calls is like you know opening day and just because you've been doing it you kind of got it down
2: yeah, for me, you know, like, I might pick up a call just because I see it laying around the house or something. I'm like, oh, man, I miss it. You know, I'll pick it up. But now it's like, to be honest, I really don't practice. It's like like when I went to Oklahoma, I hadn't picked up a duck call. I I didn't have anything ready, you know. It's just kind of one of those things, like, once you learn how to do it mm-hmm. it's, and you do it so much, right. it's just naturally. Like, you, you're you you like you're good to go. Like, I can pick up any duck call and blow it, you know. Right. And, you know, you, you can blow it. I blow a cut down. And there's two kind of duck calls. There's a J frame and a cut down. A cut down takes a lot more air. It's more like a timber call. It's mm-hmm. you know a lot of people like using timber. A J frame is more of a quiet, more finesse type call. But you know, like I said, Arkansas public land, you got to get down with them.
0: <laughs> you know what <laughs> I'm saying?
2: <laughs> that cutdown, you got you got to you got to be out there screaming because I mean, if the guy guys in the hole next to you got ten cutdowns rolling, and you only got one call. I mean, they're gonna call the ducks off of you because they sound like a group of ducks.
1: Gotcha. And right. So, Whereas you only you know, sound like one. Yep. I got yeah, you. One got lone you.
2: duck. With you. And so, like that's another thing you gotta, when you get into duck hunting and you're doing the duck hunting, you gotta learn what kind of calls to hit at certain ducks. You know, if you're going the first thing in the morning and you hitting those ducks real hard, you are screaming at them, you are being real loud, like wah, 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 you know, hit them real hard. And they're not liking that. You got to be able to adjust and know like, okay, let's wait. It's, it's mid January. All we need to do is feed at them, you know, give them that ducks feeding because they don't want that hard quack. They're, they're just looking for some ducks, like a group of ducks is down there feeding, just chilling, you know what I'm saying? Right, And right. so that's one of those things you just got to – it's one of those things you learn early in the season, yeah, you can hit those ducks real hard they're new, they're fresh. You can hit them hard. You can wham, wham, wham. They want that, you know what I'm saying? Right. But as you migrate later in season, you got to start realizing, like, hey, let me ease off of you know, let them just do their thing and kind of just give them a little, hey, I'm here. Let me come down there and check it out and see what's going on.
1: Right. Nice and, nice and easy. Um, yeah man now do you do you call competitively like do you
2: man i i've never gotten into the competitive calling i just like to hunt honestly because um, from,
1: from what i understand it's kind of like even with competitive like any kind of competitive calling whether it's turkeys or ducks like it's almost like baseball you know like you go you got your swing you know, you hit a curve, hit a slider, hit a fastball, whatever. But then you go to the home run derby, and it can mess your swing up because, you know, you're almost swinging completely differently because you try trying yeah. to hit the home runs. Same yeah. type of theory from what I understand calling um, competitively for ducks and turkeys. It's a little bit different, and you're doing things differently than you would in a realistic hunt situation. Is that pretty much true, or...? Yeah, I mean,
2: yeah, it's pretty much true because there's there's two calling calling contests. They have like a meat calling contest, which is actually like how you would hunt. Mm-hmm. And there's like the competition call, which is like the world the world famous one they have in Stuttgart every year. Right. Uh, you know the world championship. And so that what you're doing to that competition call that you know everybody loves like Antonio Jones or Spencer Halford or you know Devlin Hodges all what they were doing the competition call. There's just some guys you know big name guys. Yep. So like the competition call is not what you take out and do in the woods or in the field. I mean that's hell calling. You're not you're not going out there calling ducks hell calling. What a hell call is basically like a if the ducks are way out there you're just trying to get their attention. It's like a, wee 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 you know like that. I can't yep. do it obviously, but <laughs> if, if 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 you're on a call that's what you're doing. You you wouldn't do that in the woods. I mean and that's that's a misconception that guys that come in that never duck hunt you can always tell. We always make jokes. We call them oozers, out of staters. Yeah, uh, when they come I, in, you, I, you can tell. I've you can tell because they'll be out there hill. They'll hill calling. You are like, dude, what are you doing? Yeah. You know, it's like, come on, man. You know, and that's not what you do when you are out there. You're not. You're not hill calling. You meat calling. You feed calling. Give them a little quack. You're doing a bouncing hand. like a hand them the wash. You're like, you know, you just give them like something like that.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And so, yeah, it's different. A competition call is not anything what you're going to do in the woods.
1: Gotcha, gotcha. Now before. Yeah, so- i get you out of here. I got one more for you. Okay. Give some, I know you got a dog, right?
2: Yeah, man. That's my baby girl. I love her.
1: (laughs) Tell (laughs) it, tell tell us about, about your your dog and give, give your dog some love. What's her name?
2: Uh, Her name is Bella Grace Moore. That's what, that's what, she got a full name. She's like a human. (laughs) (laughs) Don't, don't don't say her name wrong because she'll look at you crazy, just like a just like a good old woman. <laughs>
1: <laughs> how, how long have you had her?
2: <laughs> uh man, she's fixing she is fixing to be five, and I'm gonna be honest with you, man. She is what made a name for me in the duck hunting world. I'm gonna be honest with you. Okay. Uh I'll tell you the quick I'm gonna tell you a story about this dog, how I got it real quick. Um, so Bella is She's fixing me. This will be her fifth season. She's fixing to turn five. Uh, I got her my freshman year of college. And so, you know, I was still young to the duck hunting game. I've been doing it for four years then, three or four years by then. Okay. And so I was like, man, I'm going to give me a duck dog. Because, I mean, I feel like everybody that's like a consistent duck hunter needs their own dog.
0: Sure. And
2: so, man, I had 120 bucks in my bank account. That's all I had, you know, freshman year. Just came from college. I'm just starting my summer job. I had 120 bucks and uh, somebody put on Facebook that they had some laughs for sale. My dog doesn't have papers. You know, people are all crazy that a dog can only be good if it has papers. And I'm a firm believer. That is not true. And I proved it.
0: <laughs> and, and, uh,
2: so man, I had $120 in my name. The dude the dude was wanting $150. Or he actually started off at like $250 for him. And then he was like $150. He had a few left. And I was like, you know, being a college kid, you know, you risk anything to get something, <laughs> right. you know. And so I hit him. I, I got his number off Facebook and I called him. And I said, man, look, I got I told him I said, I got one hundred twenty dollars in my name. I said, it's gonna. I got a, I I had a four fifty four eighty nine with a four fifty four. It's a big engine. You know, it's a gas guzzler. I said, man, I want to put I can put ten dollars in my truck and I got one hundred dollars put on a dog. And they give me ten dollars to get some food to come get the dog, you know. I told him straight up, that's all, <laughs> that's, that's all I got, man. I said, man, if you want, I can work out some, you know, I'm just starting my summer job and I can pay you out the rest of the, the $50 or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. he's like, man, honestly, I just want to get rid of them. So, you know, bring me a hundred dollars and, and, you know, I'll meet you at the uh, store in Locust. We'll buy his little town outside of Camden. Yep. So me and my cousin, Zach, we load up, I literally put $10 in my truck. We get two pizzas from the store. And two drinks and we drive, you know, that's all we got. <laughs> Ten dollars, make it there and back. And so we drive and I meet him. And he has, he has two, he has three females, uh labs, black labs. And uh there's two that have been really hyper, and this one, uh, the one I got, Bella, she was just sitting there and she just like she looked me in the eyes, man. I swear, and I was like, That's the dog I need. Like, I don't know what wow. it was, but it was like, that is the dog I want. He's like, You don't want these two, they're like, you know, active. You're like she's kind of been like kind of like the runt she's just really chill and i was like no man i want i want that one right there it's like i just knew that she was the dog and you know i got her and you know i was happy i put her on facebook you know all that guys right. were like calling me like man that you know you know you always got your haters no matter what you do right and they were like man she's not gonna make a duck dog what kind of paper she got and all this and i'm like dude she's not she she ain't got none. she's gonna be a duck dog i promise y'all because when i when I put my mind to something, I'm going to make it. I'm going to make something shake. That's what I always say. I'm going to make something shake. And uh, I got her, and, dude, she's the best puppy ever. I literally put her on the ground as soon as I got her, and she ran straight up and just rolled around in the mud puddle. And I'm like, oh, she's going to be it. That's that's the dog, you know. The first thing with a duck dog is making her love water, right?
1: Right, right.
2: <laughs> and so, I mean, all summer long, every day, I get off work. I, I go to work 630, get off 530, work 410s. And I take her down to the lake, and I'm working her bumpers. I take her to uh, Mr. Todd King. He let me use his pun. And uh, we use his pun, and I would train her. I mean, I was just working her, working her, working her, working her. She never whined in the kennel. She got potty trained. I got the dog at six weeks, about eight weeks old. She was kennel trained. Would not use the bathroom in her kennel, nothing like that. Didn't whimper. She'd go to the bathroom. She knew to get in her kennel. She placed. She stayed, you know. So it's like, man, that's crazy for a dog that young. And so it comes down to that first season and she's, she's seven months old. People are like, dude, she's too young. You don't need to take her hunting. She's too young. And in my mind, I'm like, dude, I know this dog. Like I've been working with her all summer. Like nobody's got to go hunt with me. I'll go by myself. You know what I mean? Right. I ain't tripping. And, uh, if y'all are too scared to take a dog. And so me and my buddy Dylan Newkirk, he's like, man, we go to my fields and we'll just, we'll just put her something easy. So I'm like, all right, that's cool, bro. And, uh, So we go, and uh, it's me and him and one other guy. And uh, man, her first hunt, her first hunt, seven months old, never been on it. He had his old dog, Gage, and Gage picked up the first ducks. I wanted her to watch, you know, and really see what it was about. Her first hunt at seven months old, she picked up 16 birds, you know, and that's unreal for a seven month old dog. I mean, she ran, she ran, she ran three doubles that day. So, that's if people that know she went and got one bird, came back, and I send her right back for the other. Yep. She ran three doubles. She ran some singles, all that. And at seven months old, and she picks up 16 birds, we look at each other and, like, this dog is literally the truth. And that season, man, I was in college. So, you know, I was obviously skipping class to hunt. <laughs> <laughs> I hunted, me and that dog, me and that dog, we hunted in our solid duck season 60 days. We hunted every single day. Sixty days straight, rain, s- snow, I mean anything, brutal storms, it didn't matter. We went every single day. And there's probably about 10 or 15 days I couldn't find a soul to go with me. It'd be me and her. We drive two hours, we shoot our limited ducks, and we come back and I go to my evening classes. Wow. And uh that's that first season, uh, she picked up uh 950 birds, which is a ton of ducks for a not even a one year old puppy, one year old dog, you know. And I mean, there was one guy I went hunting with, this older guy, he offered me five thousand dollars on the spot for this hundred dollar dog. And I was like, Man, I don't you can't buy her. There's there ain't you ain't got enough money in your pocket. Golly. You know.
1: <laughs>
2: and uh and so the next season rolled around, everybody knows his dogs you know, I'm putting her on social media and they're watching her work and everybody that hunts with me knows that I mean I feel like Bella has more dads than she does ducks. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody wants to claim her. Right. Uh and she's a big baby. I'm talking if she gets up, she just lays in your lap, she rolls over on her belly, she just sits there. She gets up. this is this our routine. I know we're getting close to time. And uh no, you her good. routine man, we we hunt, and every morning she knows about nine o'clock, she there's a honey bun in my backpack that's hers. Like that's our thing. We both get a honey bun every morning. I know people say it's not good for her, but that's her thing. She has to have her honey bun or she can't hunt. And she knows. She'll start looking at the bag. I'm telling you, she looks at the bag when it's time for her to get her honey bun. And uh, we get her honey bun. And uh, like last season, man, I didn't get to hunt as much. I had a wreck the first of the year coming from duck hunting. And so we were out, we were both at the game there for a couple weeks. But uh, for like three years straight, the first three years I had that dog, we hunted 60 days, 57 days, and 60. Uh, and for people who don't know, that's a lot. That's a lot on that's, your bike. Yeah, that's, that, that. <laughs> that's waking up. That's that's no duck camp. That's Ooh. us waking up, leaving. We'd leave. We'd, I'd sleep in my house, my rent house in college. Yeah. And we wake up. We'd leave the house at 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock in the morning. we drive two hours over to wherever we are going hunting. Didn't have a boat, you know, right. at the time. And so we're having to walk in a mile and a half. My buddy Deontay, I love him to death. We were, me and him would ride together with Bella. We go, we pull up to the walk in spot. Four o'clock, we walk a mile and a half, two miles in, sit out there. We kill our limited ducks. We walk all the way back the mile and a half out with the dog carrying a dog stag. We carry a dog stand, backpack, two shotguns, some snacks, and a dozen decoys for two miles every day. <sighs> we do that just to kill the ducks and put that dog in some birds. And we walk back out, haul butt all the way back to Conway, two hours. Go to class. Go home and sleep and do it all and again.
1: do it all again. God.
2: Lee. And, I mean, people know you see us. I mean, we were gone every single day and we killed our fair share birds. And, man, I feel like that dog really put the hunter in me because it was like she was giving me so much every time we go out. It makes me almost want to tear up because I know it's getting towards the end of her hunting career. She's getting five, you know, right. five, six. She started getting ready to retire them. And And uh, she would literally give me so much It's like. It didn't matter if it was snowing. It didn't matter if we were wearing a burden around. She never gives up. Like, she just sitting there, eyes to the sky. I mean, there's been times we'll be sitting there just messing around, talking, and she'll start whimpering because ducks are sitting in our decoys and we're not even paying attention. (laughs)
1: Like, what are y'all doing? And
2: and it's just awesome because, like, it's like she she picked up so much natural that it was like I really didn't have to teach her so much. Like, I trained her every day, but she's so natural that, like, I just got blessed. It's like that dog, you know. Hear people talk about like you always, you're blessed with one dog a lifetime that you can never replace. And I feel like I've already gotten that dog, and it makes me sad because one day I plan on having some kids, you know. Right. And they'll, I'll be telling the story about this great dog I had, and to know that they'll never get to see that great dog and be able. To, I mean, they are because I'm, I'm get videos, obviously, but they'll never be able to experience and hunt with this dog that made me the hunter, the duck hunter that I am. You know what I mean, man. Because a lot of guys that I've gotten invited in on hunts is because they know I had this this stellar dog. You know what I'm saying, right? And she's just she's just so malmannered. mannered. And like I said, last year she probably picked up I don't know probably six seven hundred birds at least. The year before that, I kept track. She picked over two thousand ducks and geese. Uh, and then the year before that, it was another fourteen hundred. And then that first season, it was I think it was like thirteen or fourteen hundred dollars. Thirteen or fourteen hundred dollars. Thirteen or fourteen hundred <laughs> ducks that first season. And so she have she has these every year where she just I'm talking dude she just grinds it out. And she had I hit her with a sabicide her first year going out in the field. Uh, she ran out in front of it and clipped her leg. And man, she she has a problem like late in season as she getting older where she had that. Where I hit her with that sabicide mm-hmm. and dude it doesn't matter because you can't you literally cannot leave this dog at the door she sits at the door, like, during duck season, when she knows you, wakes up, she, there's, you can't leave her, like, you can't, no, I don't care, you can look her in her eyes, and she will not let you leave her, and, uh, she'll go out there, and she'll, she'll be limping out there, picking up the ducks, but she will go and just drive and drive and drive, and it's just, it's like, it's just a once in a lifetime dog, you know what I mean?
1: Right. God, man, that's that's amazing.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's, it's like, literally, dude, like, she she rides in the front seat with me. She sits in the front seat of the truck. Like somebody get in the truck, and she gonna look at you for 10 minutes before she's gonna go to the back seat. Like, you gonna really put me out my seat
1: <laughs> to go duck <jump laughs> up with my dad? <laughs> oh man, that is awful. Man.
2: And so man, I just got blessed with a, a really, a really, really great dog. And I'm not gonna lie to you, with the day that I gotta put her down. Or get rid of her will be the worst week in my life.
1: <laughs> I, I honestly think
2: honestly think that the season after that I had to put her down or get rid of and she can't, you know, and I lose her will be a see the first season that I probably won't hunt but maybe five days. Just because I know that it won't be the same. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Because she's you, pretty much Yeah. She, yeah, she's pretty much been there my whole duck hunting career. Right. You know, from the start. You know, when I didn't have any hardly buddies, I didn't know much about public land all my learning curves, this dog was there and doing it with me. You know what I mean? Right. And so when it gets there, it's like losing a family rest. I mean, it is. I mean, my mom didn't really like dogs, you know, and my mom now will actually pet and hang out with dogs and let Bella come in the house. You know, that's a big no, no. <laughs> you know what it's like. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> it's a big no, no. Ain't no dog, dog coming, the house. coming in. It's yeah. Like, it's like it, 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 it bonded. She bonded. Like my mom, like, where's Bella? What's Bella doing? Where's my grand dog?
1: <laughs> where's my so dog? It,
2: yeah you know and like my girlfriend uh we've been dating for three years and that's a lot on her because i'm a i'm always going hunting right and so i have so much respect for her and like she's worried about the dog her parents or her mom is worried about where's bella how's bella doing her grandma where's bella how's bella, how's bella doing you know so it, it's, it's really cool how how many lives bella affects my nephews my sister kids
1: right uh, they ringing. call me
2: they call me they ain't worried about me where's bella or my aunt's little daughter, my cousin. Where's Bella? I want to talk to Bella. FaceTime me. I want to see Bella, you know? <laughs> and she just, she's just that dog that she's so mild mannered that when a kid walks up to her, like, she just lays down. A baby. You can be a newborn baby. You set the baby on the ground, yeah. and Bella's just going to crawl up to it. And I used to have a puppy. Last story, and I swear I'm done. <laughs> uh, I used to have a puppy, and th- this was the coolest moment that I had with this dog, probably, in all our duck hunt trips. And we had, I had a puppy that I just had gotten. And I was going to try to train him, but I just didn't have the time. So I gave it to one of my buddies and the dog got out way in front of me, uh, walking and Bella, you know, she's not the mom of this dog or nothing. She runs up cause I'm trying to get the puppy up and I'm trying to talk to somebody, you know, and she runs up and she like picks this puppy up. The puppy done ran like 50 or hundred yards out in front of me. I'm trying to get the puppy back and talk to this person. She runs and picks this puppy up and brings it back and drops it next to my feet. And like, I was like, did she really just do that? And it was at that moment that I knew that I really, really had a special, special dog.
1: Wow. You know what I mean? Wow.
2: To just have that instinct and hear me trying to get the puppy back and go out there and pick that dog up and literally bring it and set it back in my feet. And then the dog did it again, the puppy, you know, a puppy. It went back out there again and she goes back and picks it up and brings it back. Man. And it's just like, I, she's, a, she, she's a dog that I want you to come to Arkansas, get in the timber with me, and just see her work. Because people don't believe me when I say I paid $100 for this dog. They're like, there's no way.
1: Right. It's like you got you, you to see it firsthand for yourself. Yes. Man, that's what's up. Well, i tell you what. We will get together. We'll figure it out. I'll figure it out on my end. And you know, we'll let me know when you go and if you got some time during the week i will take that drive to arkansas cuz it'll definitely be a lot easier to take it from georgia than it would be from uh milwaukee the last 2 years when i took it so <laughs> yeah for sure like i said my buddy
2: my buddy renard he comes up he comes up every weekend so he knows that georgia drive like back his head <laughs> wow Man. yeah so
1: well, before but, yeah. you before you get out of here, let the people know where they can find you. Hit me with all your social media and everything.
2: Uh, man, on Instagram is dmore 23 underscore. Facebook is just Daryl Moore, D A R R Y L Moore. If you want to check my fishing page out, it's Daryl Moore Fishing on Facebook. I got a, I got a bunch of followers on there. Snapchat is MoneyD underscore twenty three. I'm on Snapchat a lot. I love Snapchat. And uh pretty much though, Instagram's like my main thing. I do have a YouTube that we're really focused on working on. Uh it's just D more fishing. And it's I'm a you know, it's D more fishing, but I'm gonna have a lot of hunting stuff on there. And uh, but yeah, really check me out on Instagram, man. I want to just give a shout out to all the companies I work with real quick. Sure. Uh Drake Waterfowl, because they've been literally since day one, you know, they've taken a chance on me. Mossy Oak, uh, they helped me out big time. And Bart over at Drake and David, all those good guys on my fishing side, uh Z Man, Favorite Rods, TH Marine, uh, I mean, there's there's just there's so many people that help me out. And so I just want to thank all of them and my family and just everybody that helps me and supports me in everything I do because they know that uh for me, you know, I put God first in everything I do. And uh I'll, I always feel like that, you know, I always feel like that God bless me with the abilities to always be able to be able to kill birds, to be able to kill deer to be able to help others and be able to fish. And to me, for me personally, that is like, that's my end goal. Even though I want to be professional and competitively do stuff, I try to help as many people out. And uh, that's why I want to really focus my YouTube on is helping people out, teach people how I do, how I do my duck hunt, how I do my fish, you know? Uh, So to me, I feel like that's something God's given me and I I could talk all day. That's what people (laughs) tell me when I go somewhere, I literally can talk to anybody. And so if anybody wants to talk to me, you know, I, just like you, just hit me up, man. I'm, I'm always down to talk. Uh, if you need help, if you come to Arkansas and you want to hunt, I don't guide right now because you can't really guide public land. But I'm, it's always an open book for anybody that hits me up. If you want to get experienced Arkansas Timber that I'm willing. I'll show you my spot because it's public land, you know. Right. I don't care about that. I just like the fellowship. I like to meet people, learn about people, you know. And, you know, I go to church. I play I play for a church the piano on Sundays uh, when I, when I'm down. I get a chance to. But I feel like for me, my fellowship, you know, is out there in the woods. You know, I'm not the perfect Christian. I'm not the perfect person in the world. But I feel like my fellowship actually happens in the woods. That's where I make my connections. And so I feel like God's giving me that ability. And that's just, that's just, that's more about me. But that's a later discussion for something else.
1: (laughs) Well, how about it? We'll get you back on and we'll figure out something. And then when I come down there to Arkansas, then we'll record, uh, we'll record another podcast when we down there.
2: That sounds like a winner, man, because I, I want us to do it again, for sure.
1: Man, I sure appreciate your time, Daryl. Thank you again, and I'll holler at you soon, bro. All right, sounds good, man. All right, now. All right, one more time, I want to give a big shout-out to Daryl Moore. and thank him for joining me on this week's show. I hope you guys enjoyed listening to that as much as I enjoyed talking to that young fellow. Uh, like I said, he's out here. He's making a name for himself in the outdoor industry and we wish him all the success in the world and have and hope that he'll be able to have a long career out here in this here outdoor business. Now, for you guys, I want to just remind you of a couple things. Number one, we got a giveaway this month. All you gotta do is go to our Instagram at official Bryantland, share the stories. That we are posting about the podcast. Every time you share a story, you're going to be entered to win one of these $25 Visa gift cards. We're giving those away every week. Drawing will be on Sundays. Make sure you check in the at official Bryant Land Instagram. Like I said, all you gotta do, go to the Instagram, share our story, let people know about our podcast. And that way, you'll be entered to win one of these gift cards. Duck season starting, the rut's getting ready to pop off. If it hasn't already in the area where you're at, 25 bucks can get you in on getting some scents, can get you some some supplies for uh, duck hunting. Man, anything you can think of, go to your local mom and pop, go to your big box store, wherever you want to go and spend that money. So make sure you enter into our contest. Second thing I want to remind you guys about, of course, bryantlandcountry.com, our website, bryantlandcountry.com. One-stop shopping for everything Bryantland. We're going to have a big sale coming up on our merchandise coming up here pretty soon. Make sure you're checking for that. And then just make sure you're checking out the page. We got our videos. We got all our podcasts. bryantlandcountry.com. One-stop shopping for everything Bryantland. As always, we appreciate y'all and thank y'all for supporting the brand, supporting the podcast. I'm going to get ready to get up out of here, and I'll catch you guys next week on another episode of the Bryantland Country Podcast.
0: Thanks for listening to the Bryantland Country Podcast, hosted by AB3. Please leave us a positive review and five-star rating on iTunes. Be sure to check out our podcast section on our website, bryantlandcountry.com, for previous podcasts. Check us out on Instagram at Land and Twitter at 3 Bryantland. This has been an AB3 Media Production. Join us next time for another edition of the Bryantland Country Podcast.